It is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. My God, my God. Thank you, Lord, this morning. What an honor. What a blessing. What a privilege to come into his presence. And where his presence is, there's liberty. Where his presence is, there's joy. In his spirit is the fullness of joy, I can tell you. In his presence, I can tell you, chains are broken. Yokes are broken. Spirits are lifted up and encouraged. Amen. In his presence, anything can happen. And praise God this morning that his presence is here. Hallelujah. Amen. You can be seated this morning. And it's good to see all of you wonderful folks in the house of God. It's good to see you here. We're honored this morning and grateful to have you. We've got some folks from out of town. We've got some folks that are visiting for the first time. And this is our second service. We had one at nine. But it's just so good to see all of you here this morning. I love to come to the house of God and be in a place where people want to worship God. I've been in churches in a service and where there was a congregation and you could have heard a pin drop because they were not interested in worshiping God. They just kind of stood there stoic like stones. But I can tell you, whenever the Spirit of God hits you, you begin to worship Him. Amen. Come on now. Come on. I want you to just for just a moment think about how you turn on the pressure on that hose. And it'll lay there and there's no, it'll just lay there limp. There's nothing. It's just kind of laying there dormant. But the moment that that living water flows through that hose, it begins to flop around. Come on now. Come on. People say, why do you got to get so excited? I tell you, the Spirit of God comes upon you and you can't help it. It's like fire. Shut up in your bones. Come on now. Hallelujah. And I just praise Him this morning and it's good to be in the house of God where people feel the fire of the Holy Ghost in their lives. Amen. I just want to praise Him. I just want to worship Him. And you know, you say, well, why, why, why am I so fired up and they aren't? Well, God fired you up so you could go over and light their fire. Amen. Praise God. You don't go and jump start a car battery with a dead battery. Come on. You have to have a live battery, one that's got some juice in it. But whenever you got the fire of the Holy Ghost in you, you can begin to bring that to somebody else. That's why God brought you here this morning. Because you're full of the Spirit of God and He wants to use you to minister to someone in this place. Come on now. Hallelujah. Well, I'm excited. I don't know about y'all, but I'm excited. Praise God. Praise God. People are like, well, you know, I don't, I don't want to get too, too excited. I don't want to get too, you know, I don't want to be extreme. Jesus was extreme. The disciples were extreme. You were extreme in your sin. Why don't you be extreme for the Lord? Amen. That ain't even my message. I remember when they, they told everybody, you know, you can't do this, can't go to church because of COVID, can't go, you want to get, and I remember a friend of mine, he said, hey, he said, when we were in prison, we used to clean our needles in the toilet. And you're worried about being in the midst of get, catching COVID. He said, we, 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 we put ourselves at risk to catch everything. Hepatitis C, B, A, whatever. AIDS, whatever. We were there and we were, that's how extreme we were. But we come to Jesus and we all of a sudden got to be all, you know, prim and proper. I want you to know, God wants you to be free this morning. Some of you need to be loose this morning. You're too bound up. We're Pentecostal, not Presbyterian. Come on now. 
Amen. The band's already ready for me. Amen. Hallelujah. They got my back. Praise God. I'm thankful this morning. Well, I'm just grateful this morning what God's doing in our midst. I thank Him for His love and His mercy and grace. I'm grateful you're here this morning. And you know what? God's going to light your fire. Amen. He's going to light your fire. And I praise Him this morning. We're going to make a few announcements. And then I want to show a video this morning. And it's just a short thank you video from Pastor Friday. About a month and a half ago, or maybe a month ago, our church, we give and support Pastor Friday. Well, because of the way that things are with their economy and their currency, They've had a lot of changes that have taken place, and their president and their government's trying to move into a, a uh, what I will call a, a digital currency, and a lot of nations are trying to do that, and uh, that's where that's where it's going. One day it will be that way. That's the that's the antichrist system, and uh, so we know that that's on the horizon one day. But uh, but over there things are happening pretty rapidly, and they told Pastor Friday the government said they can only take out I think forty seven or forty two dollars a day out of their ATM. Would you say, well, that you know you can't live on that when you need a thousand, you need to take out a thousand. But um, they they are feeding these these um, orphans, and there's two or three hundred orphans and and, uh, they have a lot of things. We've supported them for years. And our our church committed to 500 a month several years ago, and we've been giving, and whatever comes in above and beyond that, we give. If you give another 500, we send 1,000. If you give 5,000, 5,500 goes out. And so, but sometimes that finance doesn't always come in, but we still feel the need to support. And Sister Scowls and I, you know, I had uh, uh, heard from Pastor Friday. He just thanked us. You know, you always know when, without coming right out and saying it, they need it. Uh, they just thank you for what you've done and just want to tell you how great it is to be in partnership with you in ministry. But I read between the lines and I, I reached out to Pastor Friday and I said, Do you need some finance? Because what we're doing is we're sending it every other month because it's $50 to wire it. So if we're going to do it, let's try to curb our cost. I'd rather send that $50 next month to him instead of spending it to wire it. And so he said, if you have it to send, we, we need it. So I told Angela, I said, let's, let's, we both agreed. We talked about it. Let's give him some more. And so we, we sent out, I don't know what it was, but it was over $2,000. And I believe it was over $2,000, but that the church sent and and we just pulled it, just pulled it from here and there because the missionary is very important. Those orphans are important. You know, the Bible says, <clears throat> pure religion and undefiled is this, that you take care of the fatherless, take care of the widow, keep yourself unspotted from this world, keep yourself pure. And so we have a responsibility to live for God holy and righteously, but we also have a responsibility to take care of what God's called us to take care of. Them widows can't help themselves at times. And the children that are without fathers, without parents, they have nobody to help them but God. But I can tell you, God will send somebody. And I'm just grateful to be his hand extended, our church, his hand extended. You look around this place, we couldn't do what we do if God didn't provide it through people like you. I'm not here just to pat you on the head. I'm just here to tell you that we could not do what we do except you are faithful. And God sent your faithful heart here. He sent your faithful self here so that you could be a part and blessing and to meet every need. Because he knows if I can get it through them, I'll get it to them. 
And so he knows how to get it to us. So I encourage you, be faithful in your tithes and offerings. Be faithful in your missions as God begins to lay it upon your heart. And you're going to see the fruit of what uh, these, these children, how they feel. You're not going to understand everything they say because they have kind of a thick accent. But at the end of one of them, they said, they mentioned, Angela said, I didn't hear him say my name. I said, they said your name. They said, one day, Angela, you'll come to Nigeria. I said, they said it so fast you couldn't understand it. But I caught it. Because I've been in Nigeria, I know how they talk. And so we're going to play this short video, and then we're going to receive this offering and make any other announcements. So if we could just get that light there and, and turn that thing up so they can hear it. If you would, Brother Jeremy, I appreciate you. Shema, good luck. I'm in senior high. I am 16 years old. I'm also a Christian. I want to use the opportunity to thank Pastor Skies and your church. And I say, may God bless you and thank you for your continuous support all this while. And may your grandchildren never beg in the streets. And your children will also never beg in the streets. So as other children are doing. Thank you. God bless you. We are also praying for you. My name is Soke Goodness. I am 15 years. I am in junior high. I'm a Christian. I gave my life to Christ in this orphanage. I want to appreciate Pastor Skies and, and his church. Thank you for your support towards me. May Lord bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. My name is Happiness Uru. I am 13 years old. I am in senior, I am in senior high. I thank God for, for Pastor Skies. And, and, the, and your joy. I thank you for your support towards us. I pray that the Lord will bless you and give him grace to serve, to serve him in Jesus' name. Amen. We love you and we are praying for you. Thank you. My name is Victoria Johnson. I am 10 years old. I want to thank you, Pastor Skies and your church, New Life Church in La Habra, for supporting us. Thank you. We love you. We are praying for you every day. My name is Tina Gifever Chodema. I mean, I'm in senior high. I'm 16 years old. I want to thank you, Pastor Skies and New Life Church in Lahabra, for the continuous support that you've shown upon us, for your love towards us and my care towards us. You've been in Nigeria with us before, so we miss you in Nigeria. We are also expecting to see you in Nigeria. Thank you and God bless you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for everything. Amen. We'll never know until we get to heaven. And they'll come saying, thank you for giving to the Lord. I am a life that was changed. You know, it's been the heartbeat of your pastor since we started this church to give in missions. I was sharing that yesterday in the funeral service for Brother Gary Shetley. And uh, I just 
I, I, I'll never forget that, giving that finance. And the Lord said, when you need a building, I'll take care of you. When you need a place, I'll take care of you. Well, a year later, you know, after we had given that $2,500 offering to missions for India um, at that time for a school of Christ, and then it wasn't long. We were told to leave over there from the church we were renting. And what I thought was a horrible thing ended up being an awesome thing. And God brought us into this building, and we didn't have the money to do it, but God did. Amen. He's faithful. He had it. And, uh, and it was in the plan of, and the will of God all along. We never even realized it until years later why God would put us here. And here we are, right here in the thoroughway of where all the homeless people walk back and forth. See, we never dreamed that where God placed us was positional, but it was. It's ordained of God. And so now the city knows we're here. The police department knows we're here. The homeless people know we're here. And I can tell you, we may not see a lot of fruit coming from it now, but we're sowing into the kingdom. The, the, the street ministry team is sowing into the kingdom of God and sowing into lives. And there will be a harvest eventually because at 10 o'clock at night when they see the lights on and they come over they're asking are, 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 are the church boys here are the church men here are the people that go out and minister to us and bring us water and took us sandwiches are they here is there something that we can get church I can tell you they're feeling the love of God and one day whenever they're ready to surrender their life to the Lord Jesus they're going to know where to come amen they're going to know where to come so I encourage you this morning, be faithful in your tithes and offerings. Do it for God. Don't do it for any other reason but for God. But understand this, that we have a heartbeat for the souls of men. And the heartbeat of God is a, is a foreign field, is a local field, wherever. We're seeing God do great and marvelous things. And He will add to the church daily such as should be saved. Because we've sown into the kingdom of God, He'll add to it. He knows how to add to it. Amen. Praise God. This morning I encourage you to give as given unto the Lord. We're going to receive this offering, but just before we do, there's going to be youth lunch today after service. And on Tuesday, prayer and Bible study is a prayer meeting. When I say prayer meeting, the church is open from 6, six p.m. to 8 a.m. P.m., sorry, I'll get it. 6 p.m. to 8 p.m., and um, if you say, I want to pray until 9, I'll give you the key. You can close up. But prayer, prayer is open during that time. You can come in and pray, and some people want to pray. And then uh, we have Bible study at 7 p.m., and that starts. And Brother William is our Bible study teacher, and he is an outstanding Bible study teacher. He is an outstanding Bible study teacher. I remember sitting across the table at Arthur's and we were sitting there talking and, and I, I was just thinking, you know, we, we didn't have a Bible study teacher anymore. We had had two, and, uh, two women actually in prior years that had taught Bible study and, and as I was sitting there and, and the Lord told me, you know what, the next person is going to be a man, amen. Not that women, you know, don't have the anointing or the word of God, but he said, I want to raise up a man in that church. And I'm sitting here and I'm talking to Brother William and he's telling me how that he's ministering to people on the job and he's having a little short little Bible study there. And as I sat there eating my, you know, my Arthur's breakfast, corned beef and hash and eggs, I am from the country. 
the Lord said, he's the Bible study teacher. I just went, God talks to me like that. He sees a window and he goes, I got to talk now. And he spoke. And I said, brother, would you ever consider teaching Bible study to the, to, on Tuesday night? And he just kind of looked at me and and ever since he's been in that position, God has used him mightily. He has taught people. I've had people call me and say, I learned this in Bible study. I said, praise God. So I love Brother William. I appreciate his spirit. I appreciate his investment. He is a valuable asset in this church in Bible study teaching. And I thank God for what he does. Amen. And appreciate him today. So you come out to the, the Bible study on, uh, on Tuesday at 7. And uh, prayers from 6 to 8. And uh, youth lunch today. And that's about it this morning. We're going to receive this offering. Be faithful. God will honor you. And he will bless you this morning. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to come to worship you in our giving. And God, I want to... Uh, all of us to be a blessing, but God, I want us to be obedient to your voice and your word to give as given unto the Lord. And God, I ask you that you would bless each and every one in this house, Lord, that there would be a corporate blessing of your spirit and of your 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 precious provision, Father God, that you'd meet every need, that everybody's rent would be paid, that their bills would be paid, that they'd have jobs to go to. And God, I pray that you would put gas in the tank, that you would put food on the table. God, that you would meet every need according to your riches and glory. That we would be, Lord, the 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 the, the envy of angels, the envy of the earth, God, because they see the people of God are blessed. Lord, that we would be, Lord, as Balaam looked down upon Israel and he said just look at how they order their tents just look at how they're set up and how there's you know the palm trees and everything is established there because God when your hands upon us there's a tremendous blessing that everybody takes note of and I ask you this morning Lord to bless this congregation but God you take your glory and you be edified in worship today as we honor you in our giving and we pray your blessing upon it in Jesus most holy name we pray amen and amen. God bless you this morning as you give. Praise God. Give me the key of G. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Butch, you're going to have to help us out this morning. Key of G. There are some things that I may not know. There's going to be some places I may never go. Well, and this one thing that I know is so, it's my God, He's real, for I can feel Him in my soul. Yes, my God is real, He's real in my soul. Yes, my God is real. For he has washed and made me whole His love for me That it's like pure gold Yes, my God is real For I can feel him in my soul Sing it again, well, my God is real He's real in my soul Yes, my God is real, for He has washed and made me whole. His love for me, well, it's like pure gold. 
Yes, my God, He's real. For I can feel Him in my soul. His love for me. But it's like pure gold. Yes, my God, He's real. For I can feel Him in my soul. Yes, my God, He's real. For I can feel Him in my soul. Hallelujah. Give Him praise this morning. Thank you, worship team. At this time, we're going to dismiss the kids, and they can go to their class. Worship team, thank you. Give this worship team a hand. I praise God for them this morning. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Mighty God, what an awesome God we serve. Amen. Thank you, Lord, this morning. Would you just pray with me this morning? I really pray. I want God to lead me this morning from His Word. And I want to do what He's asked of me. Father, this morning, I thank You for this privilege, Lord, to be here in Your house this morning. What an honor, what a blessing, Lord, this morning to be here, Lord, and to glorify You and to exalt You this morning, Lord. I just ask You, Lord, to have Your perfect will and way. God, that You would minister, Lord, in this house this morning. That You'd talk to this preacher. That You'd speak to my life this morning. That You'd minister to me this morning. I thank You, Father. I praise You. I give You all the honor and the glory. I give you all the praise this morning, and I honor you. Lord, have your perfect will and way in this house. Minister to everyone here this morning your precious word, and God will be careful to give you all the glory and honor. In your precious holy name we ask and pray. Amen and amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You know, I want you to turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 8. I want you to turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 8. I'm going to preach a message this morning. How many knows that sometimes we hear what we want to hear, and sometimes we hear what we need to hear? Amen. In 1 Samuel chapter 8, we've already prayed, Lord, talk to us. It says, And it came to pass when Samuel was old, that he made his sons judges over Israel. Now the name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second, Abiah. And they were judges in Beersheba, and his sons walked not in his ways, but turned aside after lucre and took bribes and perverted judgment. Then all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together and came to Samuel unto Ramah and said unto him, Behold, thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thy ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. 
But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed unto the Lord. He got his feelings hurt. And the Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken unto the voice of the people, and all that they say unto thee, for they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. According to all the works which they have done since the day I brought them up out of Egypt, even unto this day, wherewith they have forsaken me and served other gods, so do they also unto thee. Now therefore hearken unto their voice, howbeit yet protest solemnly unto them, and show them the manner of the king that shall reign over them. And Samuel told all the words of the Lord unto the people that ask of him a king. And he said, This will be the manner of the king that shall reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them for himself, for his chariots, and to be his horsemen. Some shall run before his chariots, and he will appoint him captains over thousands, and captains over fifties, and will set them to ear his ground, or to, or to plow his ground, and to reap his harvest, and to make his instruments of war, and instruments of his chariots. And he said, and he will take your daughters to be confectionaries and to be cooks and to be bakers. And he will take your fields and your vineyards and your olive yards, even the best of them, and give them to the servants. And he will take the tenth of your seed and of your vineyards and give to his officers and to his servants. And he will take your men servants and your maid servants and your goodliest young men, your asses, and put them to his work. He will take the tenth of your sheep and you shall be his servants and you shall cry out in that day because of your king which you have chosen you and the Lord will not hear you in that day nevertheless the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel and they said nay but we will have a king over us that we may also that we also may be like all nations and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. And Samuel heard all the words of the people and rehearsed them in the ears of the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, Hearken unto their voice and make them a king. And Samuel said unto the men of Israel, Go every man unto his city. I am preaching a message today. Be careful what you want. Be careful what you want. To be honest, this is not my favorite kind of message. I like blessing messages, and you do too. You don't even have to be a false prophet and tickle people's ears to preach the truth and be okay. Preach uh, the message of how God will bless, and there's blessings in serving God. That's not wrong. But I like blessing messages. I like victory messages. I like conquering messages. I like devil slaying, enemy slaying messages. I like to preach those kind of messages. But lately it seems like that God has led me down the road and the pathway of warning messages. And I believe that's because we're living in the last days. We're living in a time when we need to hear the Word of God preached to us and put us in check. So church, this morning, let me tell you, we need to embrace it all. We need to hear it all. And you will thank God that He spoke to your pastor to preach what you needed to hear and not always what you wanted to hear. Amen. But be careful in your life 
what you want, what you desire. Be very careful. And, you know, I just want to say to the, for just a second, we know that there are things that we want that are sinful. David wanted Bathsheba, and it was sinful. And he didn't realize, I don't think, in the midst of what he was doing, what it was going to cost him and what it was going to cost other people. Every decision that we make has a consequence, good or bad. It has a positive or a negative consequence. It has an effect. It has a, a, a fruit or a work or a result. And we have to be very careful. Everything that we do, every decision that we make has something that will happen after it as an effect. And we want to make sure that we're in the will of God and what we want is not going to cause more problems or a greater heartache and hardship for us because we didn't bring our wanter under subjection. But there are things that people want that are absolutely forbidden of God. They're sinful. They're not something that He will, he will respond and answer. But the, 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 the Bible says that people will grasp and claw for it anyway. But then there are things that maybe necessarily aren't necessary necessarily, uh, you know, something that you could not have, but it's not in your best interest to have. Amen? Uh, and so I just want to go there today and just speak to you. When I looked in the mirror this morning, I was going to preach a thought that God had given me last night. I felt like He had given me. I just was, I, I'll say this to you, that I was really wrestling with the Lord, trying to get the mind of God. And uh, I, I didn't really get a clear, you know, uh, direction, but I had something that I was going to preach. And, and uh, But when I got in uh, to look in the mirror this morning and I was getting myself ready, the Lord spoke to me that thought. He said, just like that, he said, be careful what you want. You need to preach that this morning. Be careful what you want because you just might get it. And I know when God's talking because he just gives me all the points and I'm like, I can't write quick enough. Things that wouldn't have even come to my mind. But when I looked in the mirror, God said, tell that flock that. Be careful what you want because you just might get it. And then would to God that you hadn't had it in the first place. David spoke Unto, uh, unto, the, unto us in, in the book of Psalms in chapter 37. And this is an awesome scripture, and we quote it a lot. But uh, Psalms 37, he said in the word of God, starting with verse 1, Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good, so shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And he shall bring forth the righteous, thy righteousness as the light, and the, thy judgment as the noonday. And he says, rest in the Lord, wait patiently for him, fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass, cease from anger and forsake wrath, fret not thyself in any wise to do evil, for evildoers shall be cut off, but those that wait upon the Lord shall inherit the earth. Now why did I say this? Because Samuel's words unto Israel about a king... And David's words are very, very wise words and an exhort to us. And they speak to us. And what they say is if we keep our eyes on the Lord, 
If he is our main focus, if he is our main desire, if he is our main priority, we will not want the things that other people have. Israel wanted a king to be like other nations. David was saying, don't compare the outcome in, in, in Psalms 37. Listen, this is really, really good. Because it came from God. Didn't come from a commentary. Came from God. David was saying in Psalms 37, and this all goes together, don't compare yourself or the outcome of a righteous life with evil workers and those that commit iniquity. Don't compare yourself with evil. Don't compare yourself because you're not like them. Do not be envious or fret yourself. They have their end. Don't compare yourself. He said, fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be envious of them. And the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. That is what God is saying to you and I. Don't desire or what, don't desire or want what they have obtained by evil means or effects. Don't desire that. What you're doing is you're putting yourself in comparison with them or in the place where they are and saying, I'm envious of what they received by evil. When God says the righteousness in your life is what you should pursue after and you should shun that, you should want to have nothing to do with that. Now I'm going somewhere this morning, so stay here with me. He said, don't be envious or fret yourselves for they have their end. Their end is that they're going to be cut down like the grass. Well, you say, well, pastor, isn't every person going to die one day? Yes, we're all going to take our last breath and we're going to go into eternity. But as I preached in the first service, I said I was taught a long time ago, you can live once and die twice or you can live twice and die once. What does that mean? You can live your life, die a physical death and live eternally with the Lord forever. That's what eternal life is. That's what you get when you serve Jesus. That's what you get when you're born again. That's what you get when you put your faith and trust in God. Or you can live one life, die a physical death, and then in a sense die the rest of your life in hell which is eternal to torments. You can have eternal life or you can have eternal death. But he said don't be envious of those that are in evil that seem to be prospering and seem to have everything that they want and they seem to be getting a pass and getting by, they're not. Because one day, it's all going to end. I remember it was Danny that said it. He said, you know, they go on and on and on about the climate and about how we need to protect this earth because it's their God. It's their God. And when it's your God, of course you're going to sacrifice everything. For your God. But this world is not our God. This world is not our home. This world is not our final resting place. But we have an eternity to look forward to. So church, they're just doing 
what they feel like they're supposed to do as wrong as it is. Just know this. And it's unfortunate that we have to be caught in that net of all of their foolishness and their ludicrous or, or, or ridiculousness. Amen. It'll come. Being the ludicrous things that they do and the ridiculous things that they do. But we're caught up in that net. You say, but pastor, but let me tell you, one day it's all going to be over. This earth is going to be destroyed. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And I already know who the king's going to be that's going to reign upon this earth. His name is Jesus. So don't be envious or fret yourself because they have their end. But live in the will of God. What is the will of God? He said, verse 3. He said, trust in the Lord. That's the will of God. Do good. That's the will of God. But they don't do good. Who cares? You do good. They're not going to stand before God for you, and you're not going to stand before God for them. You're going to stand before God for you. So do good. Trust in the Lord. Do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. God will take care of you. And he said in verse 4, Delight thyself. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. When you delight yourself in the Lord, it won't necessarily be your desires. It'll be his desires flowing through you, but it will be so connected and permeated into you you won't be able to determine whether it's God's desires or your desires whenever you're delighting yourself in Him. It's all His desires. Amen. It's His desires. But He said, delight yourself. Your delight will be His delight. He said, commit your way. Commit thy way unto the Lord and trust also in Him and He shall bring it to pass. Being, what does that mean? It means being faithful to keep trusting and not put your hand to it. When you say, I trust God, you're saying, I'm trusting you, Lord. I place this before you. I'm trusting you. He said, commit your way to him. Commit, commit it to him. Now, Lord, I put my trust in you. What am I going to do now? A lot of times people give God a little bit of time. Then they want to go over there and want to fix it. They want to change it. They want to try to put their hand to it. He said, commit it to God. Commit your way unto him. Lord, I said I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to faithfully keep trusting you. I know that there's a temptation to go over there and pick it up. I know there's a temptation to speak it out. I know there's a temptation to put my hand to it. I know there's a temptation to try to rebuke somebody. I know there's a temptation to go and take matters into my own hands. The fivefold ministry is not your fist balled up. Some of you are like, huh? Ugh. Fivefold ministry. Apostle, pastor, teacher, evangelist. Amen. What I miss here? Teacher. Anyway, evangelist, pastor, prophet. Praise God. The fivefold ministry is not your fist balled up taking matters into your own hands. God said, Commit it to me. Trust me. There have been things I wanted to say, wanted to do, and God said, leave it alone. Commit it to me. Amen. Be careful what you want. Be careful if, that you don't want what evildoers have. Be careful that you don't 
you know, want to exact vengeance when God said, leave it alone. Amen. Be careful. Commit your way to God. Remember, the outcome is the riches of His grace and not man's definition of it. Because He said in verse 6, And He shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light and thy judgment as the noonday. What does that mean? Everybody that from the day you have been born, unless you were in Alaska at any time where it's dark 24 hours a day, every day of my life that I've ever lived, I got up and the sun came out every day. I'm 50 years old. Next month, I'm going to be 51. And out of my 50 and almost 51 years, every day I woke up, the sun came out. And he said, there will be a continuation of God in your life. Light, righteousness, judgment. There will be a continuation of that. He said, and he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light. Every day it will come up. It'll be something that will continue. Are his mercies not new every morning? Was the manna not there every morning except on Sunday? He said, get enough on Saturday. Amen. Or before the Sabbath day, make sure you get enough. And just know this, that every day my mercies are new. Every day it's a fresh word that he gives. Every day we come and God forgives us and we forgive those that have trespassed against us. Every day he'll bring forth thy righteousness as the light and thy judgment as the noonday. Continually righteousness and judgment will flow in your life and I'm not talking about judging people I'm talking about you judging yourself and you knowing righteous judgment knowing right from wrong there is a blessedness of living as a justified person I believe our times of conviction and repentance are to keep us at a place of righteous judgment in our lives. So that every day that we make the right judgment in our own heart. I don't think y'all are getting what I'm saying, but I'm saying it. Jesus took our judgment. He forgave our sins. He redeemed us. He washed us. And that settled I shared it in the first service. There is nothing to be added to what the work of the cross did. Jesus said it is finished. He didn't say it is finished, but. Amen. I'm going to say something this morning, and I want you to understand. We do need to repent. I preach repentance. Repentance is very important. But I want to tell you this today, that what redeemed us wasn't even our repentance. What activated it was our, was our repentance, our faith, that God gave us in the first place. Nobody here had faith on their own. God gave them that faith as a gift, and you responded. Nobody said one day, you know what, I'm just going to decide in myself to come to church and get right with God. God put that faith in you. He put that desire in you. What Jesus did was completed on Calvary's cross. You cannot add to what Jesus did. When he said it is finished, it was finished. It didn't have an addendum to the finished work. However, we put our faith and trust in God and it's activated as we faithfully trust God and we begin to lay hold upon the promise of eternal life through surrendering our life unto the Lord Jesus Christ. 
You know, I want to be so careful not to make, make it something that man can only do himself. But God's the one that's doing it. It is God that wills and to do of his good pleasure in your life. It's God that's working in you and I. He's the one that's working all things for our good. He's the one by, power, by his great mighty power of the cross saves us and delivers us. But every day we've got to know this. When he justifies you and I, when he fills us with the Spirit, everything comes alive. Every faculty was, was, was revived when we're born again. Everything comes alive. Amen. Not only did he awaken you in your spirit, he awakened judgment in you. Judgment to know this is right, this is wrong. Before I got saved, there was a lot of things that I didn't think were wrong. But when I got saved, I realized they're wrong. And God said, now I've given you righteous judgment. And when you seek me and you, you desire me only, when you wake up every day, I'm telling you that righteousness will rise up within you. The desire for that and sound judgment. Righteous judgment. To know, I can't feel this way if I feel a certain way. I was preaching that last week. There's wicked ways and unrighteous thoughts. We have to deal with the unrighteous thoughts too. See, when it doesn't culminate or come to fruition through an act, a lot of times we're very careful to be private and cover ourselves up. Nobody knows there's unrighteous thoughts in that mind unless you act on it. Some people can't, cannot hide how they really feel. Some people are greatest at hiding how they feel. They're real good at that. But we need to be real because ultimately God sees everything. Well, here I am. Be careful what you want. Why are you going here, Pastor? Just stay here with me. I believe our times of conviction and repentance are to keep us at a place of righteous judgment in our lives about us. Amen. I come down and I say, Lord, you're dealing with me to repent because this is just causing me to line up to the life that I'm supposed to live. I'm justified. You justified me. See, I was imbalanced before. I was totally out of balance. Even if something was, was absolutely right, that's what's wrong with the world today, see? There, listen, I'm, Lord, help me, please. You've got things that ought not to be that any sane person knows is not right. It is not right for a man to want to go into a woman's bathroom and be a, 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 a voyeur. You say, well, that's not what they are. They're trans. I can tell you. How come it's not happening on the other side? You don't know any women that want to go into the men's restroom. We don't hear that. All we ever hear about is how the men that want to be women want to go into the women's restroom. Let me tell you something. There's things that ought not to be, okay? And any normal person knows there's things that ought not to be. There are things that should not be. But the world looks at it and they say, you know what? They can be anything they want to be. They don't have a righteous judgment. They don't have a sound mind. They don't even have the mentality that even believes the science that they've touted for years. And I believe in science. But when science did not line up to what they to their agenda or their narrative, then they threw it out. Well, I can tell you this. God says to us today that he saves us, 
He gives us a new mind, a new set of faculties. And he says, as you walk with me, you're going to know right from wrong. Because you've been justified. You understand justice. You understand that it's injustice for a little kid to be treated like a slave. Amen. You see that it's injustice. You see that the policies that they're trying to promote, promote continual trafficking of children. And it's wrong. We went and saw that movie the other night. The, you know, the, 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 what was the name? of it. The sound of freedom. Amen. The sound of freedom. We sat there and I said, look at how many people, amen, how many people, you know, have, uh, how many children have been trafficked? How many thousands upon thousands, probably millions have been trafficked across this world? Little babies. And I said, and there's cover up in people. They don't even realize that what they're espousing and promoting is bringing even greater, greater vomiting of hell, of evil and perversion upon a society to make it even worse. I said, but a society that is godless doesn't realize. They don't see that, but we see it. Because we have righteous judgment. It's wrong. It's wrong. It's sin. It's wickedness. The depth of it. There's no bottom. So when you say, well, you know, they deserve to have rights. I'm going to tell you something right now. No kid should have to be mutilated as a child because they're not old enough, they're not wise enough, they don't have the faculties to know that 10 years later, I'm not going to want what I wanted right now. The church has to stand up. We don't want to preach about it, we don't want to say it, we don't want to talk about it, but we got to talk about it. It has to be talked about. It's wicked. So what do you do, pastor? You don't vote for the people that are for it. That's what you do. You vote biblical values. You do your very best to stand behind people that have morals and have character and that are going to stand against those things. That's what you do. In the natural, in the spiritual, you pray. And you pray that God will give you an audience with people so that you can talk to them about the things that are wrong. That what they want is evil. And only God can change that. I'm moving on. That was just all extra. Everyday life affects us, and thus the meaning of being conformed. That's a continual thing, conformed to the image of Christ. That's Him bringing forth righteousness and light, righteousness as the light, and judgment as the noonday. In other words, those things happen every day. God wants to do a conforming work in you and I every day. Every day. Every day, every day. And you know what I have found over the seasons of my life? That the things that used to trip me up as I've grown in the Lord, they become easier and easier to combat. One thing we don't address often is our deepest desires and wants. And we need to be very careful and cautious not to be deceived with our desires. There are unlawful, sinful desires that are absolutely off the table. And then there are, as Paul said, lawful desires. But he said, I'm not going to be brought under control of them. Amen. I'm not going to be brought under control of them. I'm going to say this. I do not believe as a Christian, that Christians should drink alcohol at all. 
I do not believe that they should drink alcohol at all. There are people that would argue with me and debate with me. Well, they can have a glass of wine. I said, you know what? That always leads to something else. So it's better just to abstain from it and not go there because the moment you start to get a little buzz is the moment you go into dark territory and you want to stay away from that because it doesn't stop there. Then it goes into something else and something else and a stronger drink and a stronger high. And then everybody says there was a gateway that led me to where I am today. I started out just getting some wine out of my mom and dad's liquor cabinet and the next thing you know, then I tried some weed and then the next thing you know, I went through a gateway and now I've been a methamphetamine addict for 15 years and here I am it started somewhere so don't even darken the door of that place but there would be people that would say well you know you can't condemn somebody for that. I'm telling you right now there's nothing good that comes out of it and so Paul said it may be lawful it may be something that you might be able to do by the hair of your chin and still be okay but church I'm telling you right now it's nothing good that's going to come out of it and I'm telling you as a Christian and as your pastor, I'm exhorting you, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Make sure. Because there are things, even the Bible says you can be angry and sin not. But if you don't deal with the anger, you'll go down a sinful path. There's anger that comes up because of injustices. Okay. But don't let it become something that's sinful. God is saying to you and I today, Abstain from that. And the closer you get to God, the more you want to be like Jesus. And he's dealing with us. But there's things that are unlawful. There's things that seemingly may be lawful. Because things may be lawful doesn't necessarily mean that they're beneficial. In 1 Corinthians 6.12, Paul said there are things that are lawful, but they're not expedient to me. He said they may be, they may be, they may be lawful, but they're not going to be helpful. They're not going to be beneficial. They're not going to be profitable. Israel wanted quail, and they got sick after it for a couple days. Be careful what you want, because you just might get it, and then God gave it to you, and you're like, I wish I would have never got this. Amen. I wish I would have never got this. You know, my son likes chicken in a biscuit. I don't mean a chicken piece in a biscuit. I mean them crackers. And I thought, you know, what's the craze? So Sister Scouts, she buys stuff for our kids when they come over. We got chicken in a biscuit. You know what I'm talking about in the little Nabisco. Come on, folks. Cheez-Its, Keebler, whatever. Ritz, crackers. It's a blue, blue basket looking thing and they have it at Vaughn's Pavilions. Amen. Staters and everywhere else. So here's chicken and a biscuit. And Kyle eats them things, man. He loves them. So I thought, you know. So I sat down and I, I thought, these are pretty good. Opened up a brand new box. I'm eating them. I'm eating them. I'm eating halfway through the box because you can't just have one. After you've eaten half of them, you're like, this is making me sick. I've had enough chicken and a biscuit. I don't see what the craze is. I was like, and I was like, you know what? You wanted them. 15 minutes ago. You wanted it while you were sitting here, you know, eating them. You know, watching your favorite program or whatever. And now you've had them so much, you're sick of them. Be careful what you want. Because it may become something that's detestable to you. You may regret that you asked for it in the first place. 
Oh, stay there a little while, Pastor. Hold on here just a second. Hang in there with me now. Come on. He said in Deuteronomy 8, he said, beware when you are full. Beware when you're full. He said, I fed you, I took care of you, but be careful when you're full because when you're full, you have a tendency to lean towards other things besides God. A lot of people want so much more to have more money, a better job, a bigger this, a better that. But if you get it, you're not going to be at the spiritual place you're at now and you won't live in the blessing of just Jesus being your all in all. Lot thought he wanted a well in the watered plains of Sodom. But two times Abraham had to go down and deliver him. What does that have to do with what you're saying, Pastor? Some people can't get away from the power and blessing of God fast enough. They sit in a church where the Spirit of God's moving, the Word of God is being preached. Do you know how much foolishness goes on in churches today? The absolute foolishness and nonsense that goes on in churches today. And when you find a place where the Spirit of God is moving, and, and, and some people are like, you know, it's just too hot in here. I can't. I said, this is what you need. Stay here. Stay here. You know, stay in the house. Be careful before you hightail and run. Be careful. Be thankful for what you have. You know, God's not sending you down the road to another church five miles from here. He's not doing that. He's trying to show you, and I want you to grow there. See, because if you don't stay there, you'll go somewhere else, and you'll take all of your disgruntledness with you and all the offenses and things that bothered you. And let me tell you something that I have noticed in people. The things that bothered them at one church bothered them at the next eight that they went to. So just stay there and let God work it out. Amen. He'll change you. He'll change the person. We're all just a bunch of people that are imperfect, serving a perfect God. But the greatest warfare we've got is right here in these four walls. So just stay here. Work it out. Don't say, well, you know, my brother, my sister, this one, that one, they offended me. I'm going down the road. I ain't going back there. No, go up to them and say, come on now. We're part of this body together. Let's work it out. Let's talk it out. Let's, let's, you know, if, if, that's what we're supposed to do because that's what the body does. You know, whenever, whenever one of my knees, every once in a while, this right knee, I'll just step down and it'll just give out. I mean, it gives out. Really. I've stepped down off that platform before. And it didn't engage and I just, oh, I had to catch myself. This other knee didn't go over and kick it and say, you idiot. I got a problem over here. I said, Lord, help that knee out. Because one day this left knee will do the same thing. And you're going to need the right knee to catch you. Well, come on now. Matthew 6, 33 said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven. All these things will be added to you. Be careful when you want something 
that's not God. When you want something that's not God's best and it's not his, it's not his blessing, it's not his will, yeah, you can have it, but be careful. You don't want what God doesn't want you to have because it'll bring leanness to your soul. You know, that's one of the greatest tragedies in the last 40 years is that the, the charismatic and Pentecostal churches made the blessing things, made the blessing materialism, made the blessing what you drive, what you wear, how much money you got in your bank account, where you live. That's what they made it, the size of your ministry. But God is saying to you and I today, it's Him that we're to seek. It's His blessing. It's that relationship with God that's the most important. So be careful what you want. And I close with this, Philippians 4.11. Paul the Apostle said, man, I'm moving quick. Paul the Apostle said this to the church of Philippians. And he was a man who had been through everything. Can you imagine the things that Paul went through? Shipwrecked, stoned, left for dead. You know, most people, if they were, when they were stoned and left for dead, they just said, I'm done. I'm checking out of the ministry. I'm not going to preach another message. I don't know what was worse. Him being stoned with rocks and left for dead or the fact that all the disciples read it in the book of Acts. They're just standing around him. Well, yeah, he looks like he's dead. It says they stood there. That's what it said. They stood there over him. It didn't say they reached out and prayed for him. They may have. I don't know. But they, the Bible's very clear. They stood there around him. You know, when people are down, my God in heaven help them to get up. If they're dead, at least try to pray life into them. I preached at one time in the Mazatlan prison in Mexico, and the leader of that prison sat there and wept. He just bent over, and he was just broken. Because sometimes the people that are the strongest seemingly in your midst and the leaders, you look at them and you go, they don't have a problem in the world. They don't have a problem in the world. And God help you if you, by all means, some way, fail or fall. Because when people have had confidence in you and you make a mistake, they come down the hardest on you. Amen. I had a, a, a pastor acquaintance recently got caught up in a deep moral failure. Deep. Lost his church. Lost his wife. Lost his kids, his grandkids. Everything. And you know, I was told that the deacons didn't even let him in his office to get his books. Almost like they wouldn't even let him on the property. I don't know. I'm not accusing. I'm just saying that it seems like that whenever you fall or you make a failure, people have the least compassion for you. It ought not to be. That's when we need to be calling people and saying, hey, are you okay? Let me pray for you. Let me love you. And even if you don't have that liberty or latitude to do that, do it when you're in secret and talk to God about him. Weep and cry. 
be broken over them. Don't kick them when they're down. I had a man one time, he said, that person, you just need to kick them to the curb, Pastor. I said, you know, funny thing, I didn't do that when you were in here. I didn't do that when you were down. I didn't do that when you were cussing out your wife. Moving on. He said, I've learned. Philippians 4, 11. Not that I speak in respect of want. For I've learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I've learned to be content. That is a skill, a spiritual skill set and power that you must learn. And it's hard. It's hard. I'm not going to stand up here and act like it's not hard. It's hard. But it's possible. And sometimes, you know, because we always want more. Sometimes it's a need. And I understand. But this is just the delicate balance that we must strike in our lives. Because a better job won't fulfill you. A bigger home won't satisfy you. A newer car won't satisfy you. A newer relationship won't unless God ordains it. But we better be secure in our relationship with Jesus first if we want a relationship. Amen. If you're thinking about dating somebody in this church, you say, I want, I want a relationship. You better make sure it's the will of God. And you better make sure that your relationship with Christ is secure first. Because whether that person's there or not, you have to be secure in your relationship with God. That's number one. Number one. Okay? And if your relationship with Christ is number one, God's going to make your relationship with that person awesome. Amen? He is. But we must make sure. Because a new relationship, unless God ordains it, is not going to be your answer. There's some people that have in their minds, and they're sitting maybe perhaps even here in this building, if I just had a relationship, it would fix all my problems. No, you're going to have a host of new ones. Man one time said, I, I, I don't want to get married because I'm afraid it's going to affect my prayer life. I said, no, it will enhance it. Can I stay here for just a minute? My grandpa was a pastor down in Fredericktown, Missouri. And he had a little old four-foot man about that tall. He'd get in there and he'd slap that altar. He'd say, God, give me a wife. Give me a wife. God, I want a wife so bad. Give me a wife. And I, I just can't live without a wife. And he'd do that week after week. And my grandpa heard him in there one Sunday. It, this was before church. He's screaming, God, I want a wife. He said, if you don't give me a wife, he said, I'd just, I'd just rather die. My grandpa said, I almost got my 22. He said, God gave him a wife. She was six foot two. She's bigger than me, amen. I'm six foot two and 200 pounds, amen. And it's over 50, amen. I don't care, 265, go ahead. Mock me if you want to. 
And she threw him around the room, let me tell you. The wife he was begging for, he wanted to give back once he got her. Be careful what you ask for. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Come on now. A change in scenery is not what you need. Christ has to be your all in all. A new church isn't what you need. Unless God's moving you, you got to stay where you're at and let God bless you there. And grow there. You have to get to the root of why you want something. Is it ego? Is it status? Is it lack of trust in God? Do we want to play God and exact vengeance and judgment against somebody? Do we feel that we can do something better? Are we jealous? Have we become disenchanted or disinterested in what was once our desire and passion? The reasoning is diverse, but the devil will use whatever, even if it seems like it's the will of God. That's why we need to go to the Word of God and glean from God's Word. And he said in his Word in Proverbs 3, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. Did you hear that? I'm going to read it again. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. Be not wise in thine own eyes, but fear the Lord, and depart from evil. For it shall be health to thy navel, marrow to thy bones. Be faithful unto God and be very careful what you want because it may not be the will of God it may be you got to make sure that it is God because we can't afford church to make mistakes anymore I'm telling you right now we can't there's too much at stake I say this all the time, and I realize it more and more every day. So many lives depend on what we do. Every decision we make affects people. I had a a youth leader back in 1987 or 86. I was going to a Baptist church, and we had this youth youth leader. And uh, she was just just awesome. She was just awesome. And um, she would speak into us, and and she, she just left. You know, and uh, I just remember how much it just, it crushed me. It crushed me. It broke my heart, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, and I'm not, I'm not broken over it today where I can't go on, you know, but I just remember being a teenager and how that that affected me and everything that we do matters. Back in 2001, maybe 2000, we had started the church and about eight months in, I was, I was up to here with just pressure and stress and, and the finances and dealing with people and, you know, all of these things. And church, I'm just telling you, I was a young pastor. I didn't have a lot of grace. I didn't. God had to give that to me over the years and long-suffering with people. But I just remember, I, I, I just, me and Angela got into got into an argument and it was bad and just I was taking a lot of things out on my wife I just I was up to here and I was like I'm done I didn't sign up for this I don't want to live this way I'm finished and I went in and I started packing my clothes I said I'm out I was going to get in my little truck 
and I was going to drive back to Missouri or Iowa or wherever just to get as far away from where I was. I'm in there packing my stuff. I came walking in. God's telling me to say this today. I came walking in. That living room had my bags in my hand. And Angela was sitting there, and my kids are down there on the floor, and they're crying. Had their heads on the couch praying. God said, get ready and make, make a mental note right now of the decision that you're getting ready to make. It will have catastrophic consequences. You better think long and hard, son. I don't want you to do it. You're not supposed to do it, but you're wanting to do it. And he said, you better count the cost right now. Because you may go out into a place of no man's land and never make your way back. God dealt with me. Right there as I looked at those kids. And I mean, I was out. I was going. I turned around and I went in there and I dropped them suitcases down in that room. And cried out to God. I said, Lord, you have to help me. And I brought my wife in and I said, look, we got to work through these problems. We got to work through this. Because those kids matter. Every decision I make matters. Every decision you make matters. So many lives depend on what we do. Be careful what you want. Maybe somebody this morning has said, I'm done, I'm divorcing. Let me tell you, you better think about that. If you just said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to walk, walk away from God. I'm not going to serve God anymore because I can't do this anymore. Things aren't working like I wanted them to work out. Let me tell you something. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. You better think long and hard. There's a lot of consequences for the decisions that we make. And you don't want to make a titanic decision. And God's dealing with some folks this morning. I know he is. Would you bow your heads in prayer? Worship team, would you come? Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus.